This is Unnecessary Roughness. In your opinion, what's the bigger fight? Devin Haney versus Tank Davis or Devin Haney versus Shakur Stevens? Why would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. That voice you heard just a few seconds ago was the voice of Brian Custer from ESPN. Also on the Last Stand podcast, does a fantastic job, was talking with Devin Haney, and Devin Haney's going to be in action this weekend. And Brian joins us now on the phone lines. And Brian, man, you've had you've had uh, Devin Haney on the Last Stand podcast. He was on ESPN with you the other day. You've been doing Get Up all week. How exciting is this fight going to be this weekend, Haney and Lomachenko? Well, it's great for the division. I mean, you got the undisputed champ. Uh, that's number one at 135, taking on a guy who's a former three-division world champion, a guy who a couple of years ago was, what, pound for pound, people saying the greatest fighter walking the planet. Uh, that's how good Vasily Lomachenko uh, was. And now I would like to think that still is, you know, I know he's a little bit longer in the tooth. Obviously, he had that loss to Tiafimo, um, but now he's coming up uh, in weight. And listen, it, this should be a really, really competitive, a really good fight. And, and it's one of those fights I think you'll see if Loma is still that guy. Mm. And if he can summon that greatness on one night and dethrone this young lion who's 24, who's bigger, who's stronger. Uh, it, it could be quite an accomplishment. What does it mean for Haney if he does get this victory over Loma because of everything you just mentioned? Well, I mean, listen, that is that is a resume check there. When you say, hey, despite whatever you may think about Vasily Lomachenko now, he's still a guy who was pound for pound, uh, considered number one not too long ago, still a former three-division champion. Hell, this guy in his amateur, I think he lost once. In his amateur, out of like 300-something fights, the guy, I mean, two-time gold medalist, man, that is something that you definitely want on your uh, resume. And all of a sudden, I think people start looking at Devin Haney a lot differently. I know you're saying, what are you talking about? He's an undisputed champ. He is, but I think there's a number of people who say, well, I still believe Tank Davis is the, mm-hmm. the best guy at 135. I, I believe, you know, somebody else. So, I, man, you put that on there, all of a sudden you look at Devin Haney a lot differently. You know, I'll tell you, and you asked the question too, uh, Devin, on, on the Last Stand podcast. You, you mentioned, you know, what's the next best fight, Tank and or Shakur. I like all three of those, Brian. I like all yeah. three of those guys a lot. I mean, you mentioned at the top it does a really good thing for this class. These three guys are super entertaining. Absolutely, and I think for Dev, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think Tank's people are watching this fight, I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it is Devin, he is at 135, and it would be a really good fight. But I think more importantly, they want to see what kind of draw. They want to see if Devin Haney can bring in numbers, and obviously you've got to have a good dance partner, and Loma is a big name, but uh, they want to see if they can really have a ratings bonanza. You look at what Tank and Ryan did. I mean, that's 1.2 million pay-per-view buys mm. uh, that those guys did. And so I think from Tank's perspective, he knows he can bring in people, but he also wants to make sure that his dance partner can bring in some people too. So they're going to be watching this fight very, very – and that's why Devin said that. And if you remember in, in that when I said which one is a, a bigger fight for you and which one would be more of a priority for you next – 
Tank Davis or Shakur, what did Dev say? Oh, Tank. definitely Tank Davis. Yep. <laughs> he, said, he said, see, I don't think Shakur, look, great fighter. I don't think he pulls in the numbers yet. Uh, Tank Davis for, for, for sure. And I think that's why Tank is watching this fight to see if Dev can pull in numbers. I'll tell you what, the city of Las Vegas was buzzing just a few weeks ago when Tank was here and had that big-time fight that he had. It was a fantastic place to be here in Las Vegas. Again, Brian Custer from ESPN is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to the matchup this Saturday between Haney and Loma, what's the path to victory for each fighter? Well, I think for, for Dev, it's be who you are. Um, you know, Dev has got a great jab. He's longer. Uh, and he just, hey, look, I fight, I'm going to fight this one on the outside and, and just frustrate, Dev, uh, frustrate Loma and, and be who you're the bigger guy. You're the stronger guy. Now, Dev has never been known for a guy who's going to take people out. But, it, it, listen, his jab is so good. And you saw with Cambosis how he just basically won that fight with his jab. It, listen, it may not be pretty. But if you're Devin Haney, a win is a win, and I think that's how you get it. But I do believe Devin wants to show people, too, like, you know what, I can crack a little bit, and I think he will if he has uh, opportunities and gets some openings in Loma that he'll start putting his his uh, combinations and his punches together and will try to hurt Loma because you want to go out and, and show, make a statement and say, look, I, I not only hurt this guy, but I, I'm the only guy to stop Lomachenko, and that would be huge. Now, for Loma, you got to get on the inside of this guy. You know, they used to call this kid the Matrix by the way he moved his footwork, his hand speed. I mean, it was amazing what Loma can do. If you are going to fight Devin Haney, you got to get on the inside of him, and then you got to hit him on his chin. I mean, Jorge Linares rocked Devin Haney in that fight, and it was towards the end of that fight. And what it was, Linares tried to fight on the outside, tried to fight Haney's fight, and when he finally got on the inside of Haney, he hit him with that. Remember that hook? And you remember Haney wobbled to his corner. And, but it was too late. It was like in the 10th round by that time. If you're Loma, you got to get on the inside and pressure Devin Haney early and then test that chin and see if you can get a victory. And I tell you what, if he gets – boy, that's another big chapter in that book that's already magnificent uh, for Vasily Lomachenko. Speaking of Lomachenko, you mentioned how he's a little bit long in the tooth. I remember watching him back in high school about this guy's got to be pound for pound the best fighter in the world. Yeah. If he loses this fight, do you think he hangs up the gloves? Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think if I was Loma, I would stay down at 130, 125. Um, me personally, I think 135 is too big for him. But, hey, look, he wants to challenge himself. Um, he, wants, he wants all the belts. And you've got to love that out of a competitor. Uh, I, I think if he loses this fight, I think if you see Loma fighting again, it's probably gonna, he's going to say, well, I'm going back down to 130. And then we talked about the, the three young kings at 135, whether it be Shakur, Devin, or Tank. Who do you think is the most complete boxer right now of those three? Yeah, I think, listen, man, it, to me it's Tank Davis. Um, it, most complete fighter, I think, right now in boxing. Um, Tank, uh, you know, everyone just felt like he was a power puncher, and that's all we saw. But, you know, Tank used to always tell people there's more to my repertoire than just my power. And I think you saw that uh, against Roley, you saw that against Ryan. This kid's 
boxing IQ is phenomenal. His foot speed is great. His athleticism is unbelievable in the way he puts, puts his punches together. Now, people may say, well, no, he's not as active. He didn't need to be. He is accurate because when he strikes, you're going you gonna to get hurt or you're going down. It's one of the two, <laughs> but very accurate, uh, but a really complete fighter. To me, it's Gervonta Tank Davis. All right, you mentioned him, so i got to ask about him. You mentioned Roley. What's next for Roley? You saw that yeah. fight. But I, I, come <laughs> on, keep it real. <laughs> Bruh, I, 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 listen, I don't know what Tony Weeks was thinking when he stopped that fight. I mean, you know, that was a rough one for Roley, man. You get, you get cracked by a 40-year-old cat, and in the second round, he, you know, get dropped. And listen, I know he hurt Barroso um, in that round, but I, you know when you when Tony Weeks stopped that, he threw those combination punches. You saw the replay. I don't even think one of those punches landed. And I just think Tony was going off of a that he was hurt earlier. B, he got up, and then it was like, oh, okay, let me try to protect this guy because he's 40, and let me step in there. And I think that's all he had to say. You know, afterwards, I know he didn't want to talk. The commission didn't want to talk. To me, that's all you had to say. You just say, hey, look, he got hurt. Uh, he got, he did get up. And then all of a sudden, I saw Roley jumping on him again. Now, you guys have the, have, um, the replay. I didn't at the time. All I saw was punches coming at this man and I wanted to protect the fighter and that's why I stopped it. That's all he had to say. But for him to not say anything makes it suspicious and that's what we don't need in the sport but it was a really bad stoppage. Talking all things boxing right now with Brian Custer from ESPN here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Demar. Alright, I've got to ask you something, man. I was watching a video of you going shot for shot with Earl Spence. What yep. was that like, man? Are you really <laughs> out here? I've done a little you bit in of boxing. Like yeah, you in these streets like this? Do you got the hands like that, Brian? <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. I trained for for a while. Now, look, I'm always in the gym, so I'm always ready. You know what I mean? You got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's right. And so, so I'm always in the gym. And I, and I knew when we uh, were going to Dallas and they asked me if I was going to go to Arrow's camp for a few days, I called him and, and Derek James and I said, look, if I'm going to come in there, I'm ready. You know, I want to go three rounds. And he laughed and he was like, Bring your gloves. And so, yeah, man, it was fun to have the opportunity to say that I got into the ring with Problem for Pound, one of the best fighters in the world, unified champ. Uh, It was a great experience, and he hit hard. Uh, (laughs) I was sore for about two weeks. I'm not even going to lie. I couldn't even lay on my right side for about a week. That's how sore my arm and my shoulder was because he pounded the heck out of me. He punches like a mule. So uh, it hurt. Uh, but at least I survived it. And, and how about this? Ryan Garcia in Dallas. Uh, Derek James is his new trainer. So Ryan Garcia mm. has joined the Derek James stable. He has begun training in Dallas right now. He says he is going to 140, and that's where he will campaign going forward, but now training alongside Errol Spence with Derrick James. All right, real quick, before I ask about the Spence-Crawford fight that we all want to <laughs> see, should Ryan, should Tank, excuse me, not Tank, should Roley be the next guy that, that, that we want to see that fight happen at 140 maybe? Yeah, I mean, I know that's what Roley wants. Um, he believes that with his talking, with Ryan's talking, that they can, you know, bring it together. I, I think it would be an interesting fight. Um, I, I just... You know, I, I you know I would I would probably lean with Ryan in in that in that fight. Um, obviously, and especially now that he's with Derrick James too. Um, I, yeah, I mean, but here's the thing: Roley said there 140 is boring, and it, it, he's going to be the guy to liven it up. I'm sorry, 
you got Ryan Garcia, Josh Taylor, Regis Progray. I mean, I can go on and on about the great fighters at 140. Adamus. I mean, you got so many good fighters there at 140. I'm like, what are you talking about, Roley? That is a killer division right now in deep. Uh, so, look, if you're Roley, pick your poison. Pick your poison. No matter who you select, it's going to be a one hell of a fight. All right, so if the boxing gods gave you the choice of these three fights, you can only make one happen in the yeah. next calendar year. Spence Crawford. Spence Crawford. Okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done Hill records, as Q likes to say. All right. <laughs> How much? Go, go ahead. Because they're unbeaten. They're unbeaten. I mean, we wanted to see Wilder Joshua like, what, two, three years ago? I mean, when when they were unbeaten. So, I mean, even if that happens this year, it's like, eh. This fight should have happened a while ago. To me, it is Spence Crawford, and you know we are looking to, to hopefully get that done and get that fight on uh, in in the end of July. I know that you got more inside information than us. Who do you think has been more of the bigger holdup for why this fight isn't happening? Yeah, I think you know this is where the money comes into, and I think you know it's, it's you know those I, I, the, the one thing is this. Those guys are both going to get paid so much, and 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 it's like, why are you groveling over what's already going to be your biggest payday? Um, and I and now listen, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but I just think that you know, obviously, Errol's the A side guy because he has all the belts. So if you're Bud Crawford, you're skeptical because he, you know he's the A side guy, and then it's going to be more for more. For the most part, a PBC Showtime thing. So you know he's skeptical. He wants to make sure he's taken care of. It. I want to see this. I want to make sure that I'm this and that. So there's that's where the skepticism comes in. But it's like you're going to make so much money. Just <laughs> you know, go ahead. And I understand you have to protect yourself. And I'm not saying that it's you know that's a bad thing. But it's bro, when you're going to make that much money. Just get you a good lawyer. Make sure that you're taken care of but, and make the money. And then, hey, look, do a rematch or what have you, but get the fight done. And I think that's what happened the first time. The good thing is that Tank and Ryan happened. And a lot of these guys looked and said, man, these little guys, look at the attention they're getting. And look at the numbers. These little. Oh, we got to get, get this done now. <laughs> and I think that's why you'll probably see this fight come about now. Brian Cusser from ESPN is our guest. He's also the Got the Last Stand podcast, Showtime Boxing. Brian does a little bit of everything. And I wanted to ask you this, Brian. We only got a couple more questions for you. I wanted to ask, I've always been told that there's nothing more exciting or more fun than being at a big-time boxing match. There's the electricity that's in the arena. For you, though, what is more exciting, being by the arena, by the, you know, by the ring, uh, in a boxing setting, or calling a football game and, and doing the play-by-play and being the voice of that, that football team? Yeah, I think, uh, listen, I, I, I tell everybody, you have not lived until you're in Las Vegas, Nevada, at a championship fight with two elite fighters, and hopefully there is a belt or something on the line. Um, it's pay-per-view, and that arena is packed. The energy, when those guys walk to the ring, the energy in that arena is just it's unmatched. And when you hear Jimmy Lennon Jr. say, you know, it's showtime and the lights go off and on, oh, my God, it's just there's something about it. You get goosebumps. 
Um, so that's why I always tell people, you have not lived until you come to Las Vegas for a world championship fight uh, that with uh, two elite fighters uh, putting it all on the line. All right. So I the next, start living then. <laughs> I was going to say, the next big Showtime fight, can you get Q&I in there? Well, <laughs> it's coming up this weekend. <laughs> you guys, you guys, wait a minute, you guys, aren't you guys in Vegas? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. What's wrong with y'all? Yeah, he, oh, wasn't supposed to, he, he wasn't supposed to blow our cover. I like didn't, I, he didn't I, have to tell anybody I'll blow that. my cover. I ain't got it like that. <laughs> He wasn't supposed got, to do us like that. <laughs> y- y'all got to talk to the boss about the credentials. Y'all should be in there with the credentials on, saying that we cover in the fight and be right there. Yes. Yep. He's right. He's right. Thank you, Demon. <laughs> oh, I want a little more all access. You know. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Well, Brian, before we let you go, the NBA playoffs are going on, so I did want to ask tonight the Lakers and Nuggets. The Lakers had a furious comeback and just felt a little short the other night. You've been on Get Up all week. What's your take on, on, on tonight's game? Yeah, I think I think you know they think they found they found a little something, and that 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 little something was hey we got to take Anthony Davis off of Jokic, and you know we got to let him kind of roam and to put Rui Hachimura on on Jokic, uh, and that's kind of what they did. Now you know Michael Malone is going to counter that, mm-hmm. so you're going to have a counter. But I think that if you're Denver, let me tell you something. You 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 better run. You better make this thing attract me. That altitude is real, and you can see what happened in that first game when they kind of at the very especially that first half they were getting that Jokic was getting it, outletting it, and they were just running. It was attract me. Now, don't get me wrong; those guys shot like fifty five, sixty percent from the field. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll do that again, but what you can do is you can up the tempo and make L A run. People always say, well, you know, what are you talking about? The Lakers have the best defense in the NBA, especially in the playoffs, in the half court. Right. Yes, not full court. You look at their numbers, especially in transition defense, it is one of the worst. That's why you got to run the Lakers if you're Denver, and I think if they do that, they'll get another victory tonight. There you go. Well, the game should be pretty exciting. Denver did about almost everything right and barely won the game in game one, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what it looks like in game two. Well, Brian, thank you so much, man. What what do you got coming out on the Last Stand podcast that we should be on the lookout for? Well, we got got a couple of uh, things coming out. We have uh, Teddy Atlas that is going to drop next week, and then after that, we got uh, Andre Ward Mm. uh, because he has a new documentary that's going to be on Showtime that's going to hit on June 2nd. So Andre Ward was really – and here's the crazy thing. Andre Ward and on the episode, we we were talking, and I asked him, I said, give me one fight. Give me one fight before Andre Ward. You walked away that could have happened but didn't happen. And he said before he, you know, said, all right, I'm going to retire, he had told his people that he was going to take one fight at heavyweight and was going to fight Anthony Joshua. Mm. How about that? Mm, how about that he, nugget there, DeMond? Yeah, I know. Because I know he would have won, too. <laughs> he, 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 he walked, but he, he didn't come to fruition. He walked away and then obviously ended up retiring at 33. But he said that's what he was working on before mm. he retired. He's going to do one fight at heavyweight, and he wanted, he was, they were talking to Anthony Joshua. But, you know, at the time, Joshua wanted Klitschko. So right. um, they, they, that, that's the reason why it didn't happen. Wow. They, I thought that was interesting. Nugget. Yeah, that's yeah. a great nugget right there, yeah. see? And that's why, that's, that's why you bring the heat. That's why you got the last damn podcast and you do everything that you do and you're doing a great job brian thanks so much man it's always great catching up with you hey i appreciate y'all fellas and i will see you guys at the fight there in vegas which is in your backyard exactly right we got you we'll be there (laughs) okay (laughs) thanks brian take care fellas all right there he goes fantastic stuff right there you didn't have to dime us out 
I was just trying to get a little bit more access. You Q. do that off air. No, 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 no. You know, put the pressure on them no, asking on air. It's like, oh, these are amateurs. That no, I'm no, here no. With. These guys should have been there, done then that. Then it's like, well, all right, because you got that flex that boxing muscle for us and get us in there. Be Unbelievable. Like, they here with me. Unbelievable. They're right this way, Mr. Custer. <laughs> See how you are? You got to do that in person, man. You don't want to do that on the air. And all of a sudden, he thinks, wait a minute, I thought I was talking to Q and DeMond. I didn't think I was talking to Amon and, and, and O. I had the wrong crew. I'm listening to the wrong, talking to the wrong show. I got the fill-ins. Unbelievable. 320 is the time. Many thanks to Brian Custer. Great stuff right there. Uh, man, I, I was we could have gone on and on and on just about fighting. I wanted to get a little NBA playoffs in, but I wanted to talk some football too, but th- that was too good a conversation. So sometimes you just let the conversation go where the conversation go. 320 is the time. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. Many thanks to Brian Custer from ESPN, the Last Stand podcast, Showtime Boxing, does a lot of great stuff, calls college football games, does a really good job, but uh, always great to catch up with Brian for a few minutes. It turns into a few more minutes, but that was some really good stuff. Uh, We've got Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus coming up in a matter of minutes, but checking out the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. This is from the 707. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a huge boxing fan. But that was fantastic, and I agree 100%. And I'm not even a huge boxing fan, but anytime you can get Brian Custer on and talking about anything, that is one of the most passionate guys about what he does. So if he's on Get Up on ESPN and he's hosting it like he's been doing all week or he's hosting First Take or he's doing Sports Center, or he's calling a college football game, there is not too many people, and this comes from a guy that has all the energy in the world, there's not too many people that bring the energy and enthusiasm like Brian Custer, he does such a really good job. I mean, I'm not – DeMond knows I'm not a huge boxing fan. While he's talking, I'm over here standing in the corner in front of the microphone just pumping my my fist and swinging like I'm air boxing and everything. Like, I, I was having my own time. Like, I'm tired. I was working out over here. <laughs> but that's exactly what he did. He was selling us the fight. Yeah. Where it's mean – like, promoting. That's like the mm-hmm. the beauty of a good interview. Right. Someone that makes you say, this Saturday, who's fighting? Right. I, I want to watch now. Exactly. Exactly. He's already sold me the pay-per-view, and I didn't even ask. But I'm, I'm about to uh, jump on that and buy that coming up this uh this weekend but uh many thanks to brian for that great interview that he had with us just a few minutes ago let's go out to the phone lines talk to our guy demond said it was tom but it's really t3 t3 welcome to the show what's on your mind brother hey guys q demond how are you doing tonight hey we're fantastic we're blessed great great listen q have you gotten enough knowledge about possums yet or can you stand <laughs> a couple <laughs> can you stand a couple more tidbits about possible Why not? Why not, man? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. First of all, I had to chime in on this. First of all, uh, a lot of people worry about possums having rabies, but their body temperature is too low to really sustain rabies. So if you ever see a a possum worry about rabies, you don't have to. Oh, so they're cold-blooded. They really are (laughs) cold-blooded. Yeah, yeah, they are. That's going to be my new catchphrase now. I'll be like, man, you cold-blooded like a possum. There you go. And the the other thing is, and a lot of people don't know this, they are impervious to the poison in snakes. So if they ever get bit by a poisonous snake, they're not affected by the poison. So it's not too bad to be a possum, man. They ain't the the prettiest looking thing, and, you know, they they got some faults, but they ain't the worst looking thing because they uh, they, 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 – they're raiders. They just chill out in the backyard and <laughs> get rid of all your rodents. I mean, they're, they're raiders to the core. All right. I like it. Oh, T3, i now, got to ask you. Now, speak, speaking of raiders, that lets me transition. Okay. I'm looking at the third round, okay. and I'm looking at the two picks for the third round. Now, first of all, Byron Young, uh, a couple of, couple of years ago, I was pounding the table for Christian Barmore, and I was hoping yep. the raiders would draft him, because, and he turned out to be the first defensive tackle drafted. 
But when you look at him and you look at his production in Alabama and you look at, 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 at his floor and his ceiling, I think he's actually going to turn out to be a better pro uh, than Christian Barmore. Mm. And, and, again, maybe it's a couple of years down the road, but uh, people have mentioned this before. He may not turn out to be a superstar. He may not turn out to be an Aaron Donald type, but he can certainly be one of those guys who can be a dependable force in that middle for years, which is something that the, the Raiders de- desperately need. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I like, I like the pick of Byron Young. I think he's going to be a good player. And here's the other thing, the other third-round pick, uh, Trey Tucker. I mean, everybody just kind of threw that pick under the bus, but – when you look at it, I think Ziegler and McDaniels really were looking at at, at Tyreek Hill. And, mm. and again, Tyreek Hill was picked up as a fifth-round pick, and the yeah. only reason why he went that low was because of some of the off-field troubles that he'd had. Right. Uh, but what, what Kansas City did, they, they picked him up, and they put it, they matched him up with a quarterback who was accurate. You know, not the, not the, not the guy who's probably the, the, the most scatterfoot, but uh, somebody in Alex Smith who could get him the ball. But what they did is they put him as the fourth receiver, and they said, we're going to really put you back there as a punt returner, as a kick returner. And if you want to see the field as a receiver, you're going to have to work. So he had to put in the work, and I think that's kind of what the Raiders are thinking. If they don't list him as a second receiver, they kind of bury him down the chart a little bit and say, look, you know, you're a punt returner and a kick returner, but if you do the work, if you put in the work, we have a guy who can get you the ball quick in space and then let you do the work. So I think really in 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 uh, in him in Tucker, I think what they were looking at is somebody who could be uh, Tyreek Hill. All right, I like it. T three, thanks for the call, my man. Great stuff. Gave us a little knowledge on possums and also hit us with some uh, some rookie knowledge right there. I like that. I do appreciate it, and we'll continue this conversation. As joining us now on the phone lines for Pro Football Focus is our good friend Brad Spielberger. You can find him on Twitter at pff underscore Brad. And Brad, thanks so much for your time. I want to talk about some veteran free agents that are in the league right now, but uh, you probably heard the end of T three Raider Facts call right there. It was talking about Trey Tucker. What kind of role do you think Trey Tucker could play in the NFL, especially early on? Yeah, uh, Tucker was an interesting pick. I think went a little bit earlier than a lot of folks expected, but um, you know, played on a team with a bunch of good players that I think a lot of people were watching coming into this draft. He's going to be depth at the outset. I don't think he's going to have a massive role in the beginning, but I do think he is going to be a guy that look has some speed, has some size, and I think will just provide some solid depth after moving on from Darren Waller. Always good to have tertiary options in your offense. Also, I wanted to ask you about uh, the fourth-round pick, uh, quarterback Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. Uh, some people have been hitting me up, telling me that they think he could be a potential franchise quarterback. I'm not too sure about that, but I'm not the expert. So what are your thoughts on Aiden O'Connell? Yeah, he's interesting. We're one of those examples where you know growth is not linear. I think he was people thought were, were higher on him before last year than they were last year, but has the, the prototypical size and the frame of a quote-unquote franchise quarterback I think with him, just consistency needs to improve. There are some games you watch him um, and you come away really impressed. Other games you come away saying, kind of, what was he seeing? But yeah, that's something that hopefully you can coach. And obviously, Josh McDaniels has developed a whole lot of quarterbacks over the years. What do you think he can do as a just a guy sitting behind Jimmy G and just kind of learning for a year or even two? That's the big thing, right? He's probably not a guy you want starting right away. Right. You know, he's a bit of an older prospect. You want him to develop for a little bit. So, I think it makes sense to bring him in, let him be, you know, a development project and a guy that I think, again, if you can get McDaniels to help him with his processing, with understanding what he's looking at, I think he has the physical tools. 
Um, it, it was more a question of just, you know, what was he seeing out there when he was playing? Finally, about the rookies that the Raiders gra- drafted in the second round, they were blessed to get Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. A lot of people thought he was going to go in the first round. What were your thoughts on that selection, and how quickly can he be a, a part of this Raiders offense and be effective? Yeah, I loved it. That, that was my favorite pick of the Raiders draft by far. You, you know, I, I think it's interesting he fell to the third tight end off the board. I get he didn't test particularly well, but there was one tight end in all of college football last year with an 80 receiving grade and an 80 blocking grade, and that was Michael Meyer. And so he is your all-around three-down player tight end. I think it enables you to do a lot of different things with your formation, with your personnel. He's going to be a factor in the red zone early on. He's going to be a factor on third downs and in key situations. You know, I, I get it. Maybe people didn't think his ceiling was as high as they'd hoped, but I think his floor is incredibly, incredibly high at the next level. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Before I ask about some free agents, I want to ask about a team that's making some moves maybe to keep a guy in-house. The Jets have made some moves today, and you've been active tweeting about that. Is this all in, uh, in place to secure the Quinn and Williams deal? I think it's definitely a big part of it. You know, you to you know, know where you are financially. The cap space-wise, they're fine uh, because Quinnen's going into that fifth-year option for about $10 million. But from a cash standpoint, you know, Carl Lawson today, you saved yourself about $6 million that you can then put some of that into Quinnen Williams, maybe keep some options on the table for adding a couple other veterans a- a- as the year goes on because, look, you are trying to basically have a two-year window where you're chasing a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And so you need to do every single thing you can to save some money here and there. I'm sure they'll talk to uh, Corey Davis at wide receiver, maybe talk to Dwayne Brown, the tackle, C.J. Mosley, the linebacker, and say, hey, look, you want to be in a contender, we'll still pay you a good chunk of money. But even if you, you know, chop off three, four, five million that we can go spend on, you know, offensive line depth or, or you know, corner depth or whatever, you know, that's going to improve our chances of really actually, you know, making this deep playoff run. Speaking of corner depth, that is something that the Raiders need. And Marcus Peters was brought in for a visit. What do you think the actual market value is for Marcus Peters at this stage of the game? Yeah, so interesting one that he made his full, you know, large salary last year from Baltimore, coming off a torn Achilles. Um, you know, at around the age of 30, I think it showed that he definitely recovered well. And even if he didn't have his best season last year, it shows that I think he's not, you know, shouldn't be viewed as a guy who's done, right? Yes, he's older, gets the position that can fall off at a fairly steep rate. But um, I think Baltimore, you know, kind of signaled they did not think that was the case for him. I think you're looking at, you know, one year, five million type flyer. Even that might be generous. Uh, he throws some incentives in there. He obviously was one of the more productive, you know, corners in the NFL for you know nearly the entire decade with interceptions and pass breakups and all that. Um, some of you add some incentives tied to that as well. Do you think that Peters could be a guy that could do like other corners have done as they get a little bit older and transition to the safety position? Uh, I love that's his game. I think you want okay. him on the outside, matching up against receivers and being a you know sticky press man corner. Um, I don't think you want him kind of playing free. I guess you could. I mean, he is a total ball hawk. But, um, you know, maybe, I guess as I answered, I kind of changed my mind. <laughs> but it's not, it's not the first thing that jumps out, you know, when I think of Marcus, Marcus Peters' game. And then you mentioned about the incentives that he that maybe that could be in place in a contract for him. Do you think that when you see the overall, when you're watching Sports Center and you see, oh, this is what he signed for, but you don't really get all the numbers, could it maybe bump up to a one-year, eight million, nine million dollar deal with the incentives? Is he worth an extra three or four million in incentives? That would be the feeling, no question. Just because this late in the market, um, you know, they're just really. 
A, there's probably not a ton of suitors left. So you're not, you know, how many teams are you really competing with for his services? Uh, and then B, just you know, the 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 fact that we're in May, almost June now. You know, how, how many teams are even out there adding talent at any spot? Um, so yeah, I would say maybe like three, four, with the incentive to push it to you know six, seven. I think is more kind of in that wheelhouse. But look, I, I would have no problem with there being massive upside if you tied it to you know making the playoffs or winning a number of games, whatever. And that way you say, you know, we don't care about paying a couple extra million dollars if he, you know, makes a difference in making the playoffs. And then there's still a lot of guys that, that are household names that people know them from their past production that are still out there. And you mentioned it's made. Teams maybe aren't going to be making a call to those veterans. When do you see those guys getting scooped up up off the market? Yeah, I think we're going to see it after June 1st. So it's obviously that, that date we have uh, where the salary cap treatment of, of players is different. And I think what happens there is maybe we see a couple more teams make some releases, uh, a couple more teams maybe ask players to take pay cuts, and they say no. A couple more teams make some trades where they're waiting on this June 1st deadline to pass, and they'll be more comfortable trading away some talent. Then they'll try to turn around and replace that talent with other players, um, you know, or, or vice versa. So I think we're close. I think we're almost there. And then we could get a flurry of a couple more, you know, last-minute moves as teams go into camp and, and see what they have in their rookies and undrafted free agents and all those things as well. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. One guy in particular I wanted to ask about was Unique Ngakwe. He's a guy who he's going to give you eight sacks a season. You know that for a matter of fact. He's been on a bunch of teams. He's still out there. I realize he doesn't have to sign until training camp or maybe even afterwards. But is it strange to you that he's been on so many teams but you know he can consistently get to the quarterback? Yeah, I, I don't know if strange is the word. The thing with him is it's just, you know, that's all he can do. The most valuable thing you can do as a pass rusher, no one's going to knock you and say, oh, he's a one-trick pony. Yeah, but his trick is getting eight sacks a season. That's a great <laughs> trick to have in your bag. But the issue is he's borderline unplayable on early downs and just cannot stop the run. So, you know, if you have a designated pass rusher role, a situational guy, and you want to use him in that capacity, he's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so, so you know, I don't, I don't think he's been he's bounced around for any bad reason. I think it's really just because he has a very specific role, a very specific skill set, um, and teams generally probably are looking for more, you know, all around players. I've got to ask, when it comes to quarterbacks, there's still a couple of guys that have a name: Carson Wentz, Teddy Bridgewater. Do you think that those guys that are the fringe that used to be starters, but teams are going to just stay away from them, barring injury, until maybe the season starts? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Wentz, Wentz for sure. I, I, I don't think any team wants to go there. I, I just think at this point with him, it's why, you know, bring him in the locker room. I'm not saying he's a distraction, but just like why even go there if you could just get a more established backup? I think like a Teddy Bridgewater is a better option, a guy that you, you've seen come in and play in a reserve role. Because I also do think sometimes you underestimate, like, just a guy's ability to, you know, know how what it's like to come in the middle of a game or to come in in the middle of a week and have to learn a game plan on the fly and stuff like that versus Wentz, who's kind of been, you know, brought along and, and treated as the number one quarterback in every season thus far in his career. So, yeah, I think at this point in the offseason, you're only looking at, you know, small backup and, and, and even third string signing the quarterback. Brad, I wanted to ask you, who do you think has a bigger impact? Do you think it's uh, Ke- Kellen Moore there as the offensive coordinator with the Chargers, or do you think it's the Todd Monken, the new offensive coordinator there in Baltimore with the Ravens? That's a great question. I, I mean, Monken is just so different from Greg Roman, so I think it's going to be fascinating just how that offense looks. I mean, he's a true run-and-shoot guy, wants to push the ball down the field, consistently, and Greg Roman was obviously predicated on the run um, and did not have the most 
dynamic pass game, a lot of stuff underneath, a lot of work with the tight ends of the seams, and, and just not, you know, the, the route patterns and, and distribution of the receivers was often clunky and just not, you know, really conducive to Lamar being productive, and I think Monken's going to have him airing it out. But I think Moore is going to make a bigger difference because of situationally, you know, just not so predicated on, you know, run-run pass or short pass, run pass, like, He's going to push the ball down the field. They're going to try to actually let Justin Herbert use his freakish athletic ability um, and try to push the tempo and, and, and get big chunk gains. I just don't get why Joe Lombardi in, in Los Angeles was obsessed with like matriculating the ball down the field, getting four, five, six yards. But my guy, you have Justin Herbert at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Q mentioned Unique Ngakwe and him not having a deal yet, but there are plenty of edge rushers that are still out there and guys that play on that defensive line. I've got to ask. Who did Frank Clark piss off? Because why is this guy not signed? <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably another one where the money is just not going to be where he thinks it should be. You know, it was owed a $20 million salary for this year that obviously he was never going to see. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes it is tough. Like, even talking about Ezekiel Elliott-type player, you, you all of a sudden go from being a marquee first-round pick, you know, traded for multiple first-round picks, sign these massive contracts, and I think the, the interesting thing about the market is that really there, there's kind of tiers, right? Like it drops off a cliff. It's not gradual. So even if Frank Clark thinks, yeah, well, I'm not a $20 million player anymore, but now I'm a $10 million player. It's like, no, nah, either you're 20 or you're five. Like there, there's not, you know, it's not this, this, this kind of consistent thing. Um, and I think that is what often leads to a lot of these guys waiting around longer, uh, you know, than maybe you'd expect. So does that mean that Jadavion Clowney is going to be waiting on, uh, for a while too? You know, he, I think, just likes skipping training camp and yes. just waiting as long as possible. Um, hey, all, all the power to him. He sits around, waits around, and gets, you know, one year, $8 million, one year, $10 million. Um, It's been working for him in the last couple of years, at least. Yeah, it has. It has. I, I, I've never been sold on Clowney as a, as a pure pass rusher because he's never lived up to the hype that he had in that big bowl game. Uh, we'll, clo- we'll close out with this, Brad. Uh, we'll bring it back to the Raiders. Jimmy G now has Devontae Adams, best wide receiver he's ever had uh, in his career that he's played with. How do you think that changes who Jimmy G is as far as like production in 2023 with the Raiders? Yeah, I think the big thing might be he's obviously had good talent around him. I don't think he's ever had like a YOLO, like, you know, like I'm about to get sacked or I'm kind of scrambling a little bit and trying to get rid of the ball. Like, I can just throw it up in the air and hopefully Devontae comes down with it. He's never really had that type of talent, and he's never really been that type of quarterback. Um, and it's kind of been a knock against him at times of like he doesn't, you know, if it's not in structure, he's not productive. Maybe part of that was because of the personnel around him. And Devontae, you know, you just, if you see him, just uncork it and hopefully he comes down with it. Maybe that opens up that a little bit in Jimmy Garoppolo's game. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. It's going to be interesting. That is for sure, Brad. Fantastic stuff. What are you working on for Pro Football Focus that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for having me. Uh, over at PFF.com, we're covering all this stuff, you know, all, all free agency through uh, the offseason, anything betting related and, and season-long futures and all that stuff, all at PFF.com. All right, love it. Brad, thanks so much. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you, guys. There he goes, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Great stuff. 342 is the time. We'll come back, get to your calls, get to your tech, close out on hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. I'll just say this for any parent that's out there. Back in the day, it's so funny. I used to, I would say stuff. I would tell my mom things. And there would be times that she didn't question it. She knew better. She just didn't question it. She was like, okay. 
You know what I mean? Like, all right, boy, we're going to let you go ahead and act like you, you, you're going to get away with that one. But I know better, right? Obviously, I learned that as I got older. I didn't realize that when I was younger. But the one thing I know, now as a 46-year-old, and I just shared a great story with DeMond in the commercial break. That's why he's, uh, he has no breath and he's laughing right now. The, the stories may change. Like, the elements of the stories may change. They may be a little bit more evolved as time evolves. But let me tell you, it all, it all boils down to the same thing. <laughs> it's all, it all boils down to the same thing. We always know when you're lying, <laughs> right? Just know it. We know when you're lying. Like my mom always told me, I never asked you questions I didn't know the answer to already. I didn't even know what that meant when I was a youngster. Totally has nothing to do with anything that we're Tears, talking everybody. About. <laughs> just tears. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> Damon is rolling right now. I guess I should go ahead and just put everybody up on, on, on game. I probably shouldn't do this. Well, but you don't have to tell the story, guys, but we got from parents knowing when, when, the, <laughs> when the kids are lying from the table in the studio being just a little bit crooked. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the table in the studio that we have here was a little crooked, and I'm one of those guys that uh, I'm very OCD-ish, so like everything has to be – and DeMond could tell you, when we were at the Super Bowl or when we go anywhere, I mean, I was, we're the only table that was actually cleaned up after we left. Mm-hmm. Like every the table, the chairs were back where they're supposed to be. Table was clean. This, that, and the other. Like I he just, was the guy. Like why is the garbage can so close to the table? Right, right. I've emptied the garbage can here in the studio how many times already? Like I empty it all the time. Oh, it's getting too full. Like I'm very OCD ish, so I notice stuff. And that's also I said at the beginning of the show. I'm very much like Mama Q. That is her. She used to vacuum rooms before she left. She'd vacuum rooms and there'd be lines in the in the carpet. Right. And so when I walk in there, it would leave a footprint. And so I thought I was slick, and I'd try to vacuum it over, but I didn't vacuum as good as her. So she always knew, like, hey, were you in that room? No. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she already knew. Like, I was telling on myself. So anyway, let's just let it be known that a table in the studio just being slightly off center went got me from talking about the table to talking about the air hockey table at the house to talking about poor little Sarah <laughs> in a in a in a not so great time and when we were in Texas. Let's just put it like that. And parents always know. Let me just put the PSA out there. Parents always know. Again, little Sarah didn't do nothing wrong. But it was just it just like I said, the story snowballed. <laughs> so there's that. Anyway, welcome back to the show. 350 is the time. <laughs> DeMond is all fired up. He was, I mean, literally in tears pretty much in a commercial break. Don't be broke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Operator Raider said, speaking of defense, Dave Ziegler's need to figure out a way to bring Quinn and Williams, absolute difference maker. And Operator Raider, as much as I would like that, as much as I wanted that back in uh, the draft when uh, he was sitting there and I thought the Raiders were going to get him at number four, but the Jets took him at number three, uh, that's, that's just – New York's not going to let him go. He is not getting out of town. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, he's upset. He wants a contract, this, that, and the other. He ain't getting out of New York. Exactly. That's why I wanted to ask that to Brad, because once the team, hey, how about you restructure your deal? Hey, and you here, how about we tack on a couple of void years to your contract? Because why is all this happening? Quinnen said what? He did what on Instagram? He, I know that we made fun of Kyler Murray, yes. but there are some players where it's just like, this ain't no problem, man. We can take care of this. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. He is now, what, a defensive end for blank, right? He didn't say, or a defensive tackle for blank. He hasn't. He doesn't have a team listed anymore. He's divorced them on social media. That's a hell of a way to find out you got broke up with, right? <laughs> you find out on social media that that name that used to be in the, in, in, in the, in the little bio is not in the bio no more. Oh, Quinn is mad. How do you know? Because <laughs> he took our name out of the bio on Twitter. Like, 
I think that's the dumbest thing ever, but it's what, it's what they do. Hey, last week takes the name out the bio. This week they're restructuring contracts. It's true. I mean, come on now. No, you're doing something. No, you're right. You're right. Got a good point there. Richard Deitch from The Athletic joins us at 4 o'clock talk all things sports media and what's going on uh, in that landscape and how the NFL is just raking in money, 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 hands over fists. We threw the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line and the phone line at 702-365-9200 and also 69187 keyword R&R. What type of production do you think are realistic expectations for the Raiders rookie class, either a whole class or just individual players. We got a text from uh, Jim from Yonkers. Lots of snaps for over half the draft picks. I'm not buying the Sunday ticket. The Raiders are on six times already. With the Giants and Jets improving with primetime games, the Raiders could uh, mitigate. Uh, wait, could. Could. Uh, I don't know what that is. What does he say? Uh, could be on in New York at some. Who's this text from? Uh, Jim and Yonkers. It was just a. It, it's a. It's not spelled correctly, and I don't think it's the right word. So I'm trying to figure out what word he's trying to put there. <laughs> so we just pause. Anyway, his point yeah. is his point is the Raiders could be on in New York in some day slots. Not worth it, and plenty of bars down the block for me and Yonkers and the Bronx. Thanks for a great show. It was a great show, and so I couldn't figure out what, what kind of word I was trying to put in that in that spot for the wrong word that he put there. I don't know what it was. I don't quite know. Do you have any idea? Uh, I was saying mit- mitigate. That's what I thought too, yeah. but I don't think that was I, I think that was wrong. Well, Jim and Yonkers, he's real active on the text line. I'm sure he's listening right now. Go ahead and uh send it back again. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of it was uh a lot of snaps over half the draft picks. So that's good. Uh and, and that's that's basically we're talking about the production of the rookie class. Uh Darth Raider said Q. Um Mike Mayer, fifty five What is that? Five five five. Oh, uh, okay. Fifty percent. I was trying to figure out. I thought it was like a stat. It's not. It was he was being cute. Fifty catches, five hundred yards, and five touchdowns. I call that a win from a rookie tight end. You know that I've seen a lot of numbers, like big numbers for Tyree Wilson as far as sacks. Even Vinny, when we had him on, he said eight sacks. I think that's a lot. I really I do. do. I think that that's a lot. I mean, think about this. Khalil Mack only had four his rookie year. I know Max Crosby had ten his rookie year, but I feel like that that's not the norm. So if I look at sacks for a Tyree Wilson, I'm looking at four, five, maybe max, but I'm seeing seven, eight. Vinny said eight. I think 500 yards, 50 catches, five touchdowns might be a lot for Mayer. The five touchdowns, again, I said it earlier in the show, I feel like that that's reasonable because I think his his targets are going to improve once they get to the red zone, but it just seems like that's a lot of yards. I mean, if you you go 50 catches and 500 yards, what does Devontae have, right? You have to, you have to assume he's going to get somewhere near – Near 100 catches and uh, near and way over 1,000 yards. Real quick, I've got the reception total and the yards for the leaders on the team last year. Devontae, 100 receptions, 1,500 yards. Perfect. Mac Hollins, 57 catches, 690. Let's round up the 700 okay. yards. Okay. Josh Jacobs, number three, 53 receptions, 400 yards. Hunter Renfro, a shocking fourth, 36 catches, 330 yards. Okay, so, okay, so let's put it like this. Devontae will have just say he has a, a around, do that again. around the same thing, right? Okay, so around 100 catches, 1500 yards. Okay, uh, obviously Matt Collins is no longer there. Jacoby Myers is going to take a bulk of what Matt, what Matt Collins did. So just say just say that Jacoby Myers has 50 catches. Then you telling me that Mayer is going to have 50 more? Is that possible? I mean, I guess it's it's possible. Let's say uh, let's combine. Foster Morrow and Darren Wallers, 33 for Foster and 28 for Darren. So let's just do a quick 30 there. Okay. Let's combine those 60 receptions that were at the tight end position. Okay. 
Well, then, I mean, there, there you go. I mean, there was, there were 60 catches that were in the tight end position. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. I just feel like it, it feels like a lot to me. It feels like the number is, is high for him, for a rookie. Again, remember, it's a rookie, it's a rookie player that has to adapt to the NFL. And even though I think Mayer is a really good player, I just still think there's still a learning curve. And I don't want to put too lofty of expectations on a rookie who's still trying to find his way in the NFL. 356 is the time. We'll come back with kickoff hour number three. Thanks for those texts. Keep them coming. 69187, keyword R&R, and also 702-365-9200. Richard Deich from The Athletic will join us next. It's Rare Nation Radio 920.